Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be you ever been in a situation where somebody just couldn't get it? They just couldn't get it. I worked in radio for 20 years before I came into ministry, and I was always finding antennas on top of roofs that some other technician put up there, and you have to weather, weatherize a, an antenna. You don't just hook the cable and twist it on, and there you go. You have to wrap it with this wrap, then you have to take this stuff called goop, I call it, and you goop it all to seal it shut so that if rainwater hits it, it won't get into the connector. So I, there's a special way to do it. And you have to wrap it, some tape around it just right. Then you have to put the sealant on there, and then you're good. But if you don't do it like that, give it a year or two maybe, it's going to stop working. Then you have to leave the shop. you got to go drive out there to figure out what's the matter. And you find out that the antenna was not installed right. So I found that there was some technicians in the company that kept doing this wrong. And I kept finding this problem. And it was always costing us time and money to have to go out and fix it. So I would go out there and take pictures. Here's what I found. Fix it up. Here's what I did. And I tell them, I guarantee you, we will never have to come out to this place again. This will always work. And it always did. But when another one broke down, had to go fix it again. So I got with all the other technicians, and they said, Ray, you teach these guys how to do it. And I said, okay, here's how you do it. You do it like this. And I showed them how to do it. Do it like this. Okay, Ezra is going to show the people how to do it like this, okay? I showed them do it like this, then do that, then do that, and then everything will be fine. And I kid you not, I would still find the same problem over and over again. I'd get all the guys back together. I said, somebody here is not doing it right because I keep finding the problem. I'm finding this problem repeatedly, and I would teach them again. And guess what would happen? I would find it again. And then finally one day, I was out at a site that I did not install. And I looked. I thought, I've just got to look because it just got put here. I don't want to come back. I've just got to climb up to the antenna and see. Because I'll bet you somebody didn't do it right. So I'm going to fix it now so I don't have to come back in a year or two. I climbed up and it was done right. And I thought, somebody finally gets it. Somebody finally gets it. I'm so happy. And in Ezra 9, we're going to see somebody finally gets it. Okay? Israel had been doing things wrong for so long. And Ezra comes in to bring the law back to the people, and we're going to see that somebody finally gets it. So we're in Ezra chapter 9, verse 1. Then it says, When these things were done, the leaders came to me, saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the lands 
with respect to the abominations of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, so that the holy seed is mixed with the peoples of those lands. Indeed, the hand of the leaders and rulers has been foremost in this trespass. Okay, the leaders are doing wrong. Ezra got back and he was informed that the Israelites started what's called intermarrying. They started marrying with these other countries, with people that did not believe in God. They married together with people that did not worship God. They had no regard for God at all. And so that's why it says the Holy Seed was tainted. It was mixed with other people. In other words, the ancestral line of Israelites that was supposed to be kept pure has now been tainted by intermarriage. Now, it's not just the act of marrying some other country. It's not just that. The problem is that when you marry with someone who does not believe in God, they will cause you to not believe in God. When somebody disobeys God, they will cause you to disobey God. And that's why God didn't want them intermarrying. It says so in Deuteronomy 7, verse 1. He tells the Israelites this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you. Now look at this list, guys. It's the same thing we just read. The Hittites and the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and tolerate their sins. What does it say? God said, utterly destroy them. God is very, very serious when it comes to sin. Utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them. That includes marriage covenant. No covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. I'm glad he specified it. You shall not give your, fa- your daughter to their son, nor take their daughters as, uh, for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, so the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. Guys, it's basically either sin's got to go or you got to go. And that's kind of a gospel message there. Either sin's going to go or you're going to go. We have the option of turning our lives over to Jesus Christ, letting our sin fall on him, and say, I'm letting the sin go. I repent of it. I leave it. Let Jesus pay for it so I can be free. But in this case, here's another example. The sin's going to go or you are. So God's people were supposed to be holy to him. They were not to break their holiness by joining up with those who reject God. Any of you who are married, your spouse belongs to you. You. They're not supposed to be running around with everybody else. And the reason why God did not want them to intermarry is because it would cause them, the Israelites, to pick up the bad practices, the bad religion, the bad traits that those other nations carried. It would cause them to pick it up and do it too. And God's word said that is detestable. Do not do what they have done. Don't, don't be like them. Holy, the very definition of holy, means to be different. It means to be set apart. God says, I picked you for you to be different. Israel, you're mine. You're different. You're not supposed to be like everybody else. Christian, I'll say the same thing. If we're going to be holy unto God, we can't be like the world out there. 
Don't you turn on the TV, you find everybody fighting and accusing and divided and hating each other. And you don't agree with me. So I don't like you. And they're cussing each other out and insulting and down talk. We are not to be like that. That is not the behavior of Christians. We are to be holy. We are to be set apart different because we belong to God. We're not supposed to belong to the world. He says, you're mine. So I want you to remember, though, what's the first thing that Israel did when they came out of the land of Egypt? They, they made golden calves. <laughs> they made a golden calf. and They go, there's your God. Let's worship this thing. And whenever I read that, I'm like, where in the world did this golden calf idea even come from? You know where they got that? They picked that up from the Egyptians. They had been under Egyptian slavery for 400 years. That This golden calf thing that the Egyptians did, it got into them. And that's why they made golden calves. And if you read the story, it ticked God off something awful. God was mad. So the same here with the Israelites in Ezra's time. They had a lack of knowledge of God's word. And when you have a lack of knowledge of God's word, it's so easy to pick up the bad practices of your culture. And that's even true today. We Christians need to know the word of God. I'm telling you, oh my gosh, I have had the worst time on social media lately because I said, you've got to know God's word if you love God. And I got attacked like you wouldn't even believe. Friends, if you're going to be a Christian, you, if you truly gave your life to the Lord, you better be reading God's word. Because if you don't, you're going to have a lack of knowledge and you're going to pick up everything the culture out there is telling you to do. And then God is going to have his wrath provoked against you for it. I don't want God mad at me. I, don't, I know you don't either. <laughs> so the reason why God brought them back to their land was so that they could worship him according to the law, according to the word that he gave them. He gave them the the word. He wants them to worship his way. God says, worship my way, just like your fathers had done. So here's the problem that is facing Ezra. Here's the difficulty he has, is that so many of the people who had already returned from captivity back to Jerusalem, they were already running 10 kinds of crazy away from God. They're doing things the way they think it should be done. Well, this is our culture. Mom and dad told me it should be done like this. Grandpa told me it should be done like that, so that's the way I'm going to do it. And God says, but that's not the way I told you to do it. You know, the hardest thing, I think, in, in teaching God's Word, in, in my experience, the hardest thing to get across to people is something that God says to do that clashes with your, your, your tradition. When people have done things a certain way their whole life, and you get to the Word of God that says, no, that's not how it is, that is the biggest snag in ministry is getting people to leave their way behind and switch over to what God's word says. That's where I get the most argument and the most pushback is, but that's not the way mommy and daddy taught me how to do it. They told me to do it like this. But when God's word says, no, don't do it like that. Friends, we got to follow what God says. And Ezra is going to be put to that with the Israelites. He's going to tell them, stop this. This is not what God wants you to do. He wants you to do it like that. But we've always done it this way. You always did it that way in captivity. You're free now. This is how to live free. Friends, if you're a Christian, you gave your life to Jesus. If you lived a certain way in your sinful past, now that you're saved, you should be changing a lot of that stuff. Well, that's the way I always did it. But that's, that was the way of your captivity. That was the way of your lostness. Now you need to live 
new. Ezra's, how would you like to be in Ezra's shoes right now? Look at the problem he's got. He's got a whole bunch of people that don't want to hear it. This, I, I got a wife. What are you telling me I can't have her? You know, he, he's got some stuff to deal with. Now, the sin that they're doing, this threatens the possibility of all the Israelites being dragged away into captivity all over again. They've been trapped in another country for over 70 years. They just got back, and now they're doing the same stuff that got them in trouble in the first place. It's apparent that they had not fully realized why they had to spend those 70 miserable years in Babylon in the first place, or else they would not be breaking God's law. They would be saying, guys, we better not do this. And what makes it even worse, and this this really hit me when I read it, It says in verse 2 that it was the religious leaders were the ones that was pushing this. Of all people, the ministers were pushing it. The pastors, if you will. They were telling them, hey, yeah, do it. You want to marry her, bring her to me. I'll put you all together. The ministers were doing it. Friends, I want to warn you about a lot of pastors out there that are running churches like little pep rallies. And they don't read God's word. They take one verse, they pull it out of context, and they make a whole sermon out of one verse. (laughs) They don't know God's word. The people don't know God's word. And those pastors are promoting things that God's word says do not do. And the people are taking it saying, well, my pastor said it's okay, so we're going to do it, and God should be good with it. Ezra has this problem. The ministers are saying, are telling the people to do things that God's word said don't do. So not only does he have to face the people, he's got to tell all the the religious system, guys, stop it. Stop it. You're not reading God's word. It's not what God's word says. The ministers were doing it. Me as a minister, that that hurts to to read this. So what's he going to do? Ezra 9 verse 3. So when I heard this thing, I tore my garment and my robe and plucked out some of the hair of my head and beard and sat down astonished. Then everyone who trembled at the words of the God of Israel assembled to me because of the transgression of those who had been carried away captive. And I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. You ever have something so crazy it makes you want to just pull your hair out? He did. He did, he just, ugh, he just pulled it. Y'all know why I wear a flat top all the time. Ezra is their leader in the religious things, and now he's finding out his own ministers are doing this. He's like, what, and did I not teach you? Well, did I not show you? It's like me showing those guys how to do those antenna installs. I told you how to do this, and you're still doing it wrong. And so... You'd think that after all the last hundred years or so, captivity, and then they went through 20-some-odd, 30 years of trying to get things back together, Ezra just cannot believe what he has heard already. Already, they're back. Already, everybody's going haywire all over again, just like they were doing right before they were dragged away captive in the first place. But this is what Ezra's going through. He is totally appalled that they cannot see what's ahead of them to know better. And I look at the, our nation today. I am American as it gets, red, white, and blue. I think I have a flag on my shirt, matter of fact. But I look at America, and I see the sin that's going on, and I think, you cannot see what you're doing. You're not following God's word. You don't care. 
but you can't see the trouble it's going to get you into. You should know better, but they don't. Ezra 9 and 5. At the evening sacrifice, I arose from my fasting, and having torn my garment and my robe, I fell on my knees and spread out my hands to the Lord my God. And I said, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and humiliated to lift up my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads, and our guilt has grown up to the heavens. Now, Ezra was God's appointed leader. He was to minister to the people, and yet this is also a man that did not know what to do. (laughs) I really cash in on this. When I see God's men, the great mighty men of God, getting to a point where they have no idea what to do, I feel sorry for them, but I almost love it because that's me all the time. (laughs) I mean, do you, do you, have you ever been there? I don't know what to do. We pride ourselves in being so experienced and so awesome. I always know what to do. I got this. I got everything under control. Sometimes things get to where you just don't know what to do. How do you counter something as big as culture, the whole society, the people who just didn't want to hear it? Ezra did not sit down to try to formulate a plan. He, he, Ezra didn't run to his team of advisors and say, hey, let's figure something out. Ezra felt completely, totally outnumbered. He was totally outgunned. All the man could do was fall before his God and say, Father God, help me. I don't know what to do. And it's okay for you to do that. Don't feel like you're a failure if you have to get to that point. It's all right. All he could do at this point was throw himself down on the floor in a posture of begging and beg forgiveness. And not only did he beg forgiveness, but he also begged forgiveness on their behalf. Did you notice how Ezra did not say, they sinned? Did you, did you catch that? He didn't say, those people sinned. Those messed up people out there sinned. What did he say? He said, our iniquities. He said, our guilt. We have it in our culture today to look at that other party or that other group or that guy we don't like and say, them, they did it. They're the ones messing up. I'm the one that's right. We're all sinners, guys, every one of us, especially me. I want you to look at the biggest sinner in the whole room. Look at me. Never say them, they, those terrible people over there. He said our guilt, our iniquities. He didn't point at them and say, oh, God, go get those sinners and take them down. He said, God, we have all sinned. That is the attitude of a humble person. But Ezra said he felt totally humiliated. And typically when people feel humiliated, you know what they usually do? When people feel ridiculed and humiliated, their first instinct is to strike back. Ezra didn't run off to a committee. He didn't go ask everybody's opinion of how do you feel about this? How does everybody feel? Let's all take How do you feel? Well, do you feel the same as me? You know, what when people do that, they go out and they try to build up an alliance of people that think just like them to get people on their side. I want you to feel like me. I'm upset at this situation. 
So I want to get people around me that think the way I do so that when I have enough people around me, then we can blame and accuse and go after them. That's what we do in our culture. And I'm asking you to put that culture aside. We are not to do like that. He didn't get a bunch of people to say, let's all think like me. He did none of that. What did he do? He knew he could do nothing more than throw himself down before the mercy of God. That's it. You know how messed up our world is right now. You know how bad things are getting. And you know you want to take up certain tools and things that you've got in your little arsenal and go run with the people that agree with you. And let's go get those guys. And we got to take them down. What we should be doing, we should get down on our knees before the mercy of God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Because I guarantee you, if you get out there and fight that battle, you're going to be the first one down. All he could do was throw himself before the mercy of God. And he did not do this to try to accuse them before God. He got down to confess of all their sins. He confessed the sins of the entire nation. You know who the accuser is? The accuser in the Bible is known as Satan, the devil himself. Satan speaks accusation. When you listen to the TV and everybody's accusing somebody, accusing somebody, oh, he's terrible, oh, he needs to go, that is the language of accusation. Do not learn that language. That is Satan's language. And if you learn how to speak it, you will become a victim of it yourself. I want to be encouraged. If you want to be encouraged, then we need to speak the Father's language of encouragement. But to do it, we don't even know how to do it. We have to throw ourselves before the mercy of God and confess, Lord God, I'm a sinner before everyone else. Oh, I could go all day just right here on this part, (laughs) but I have to move on. I think it's important we notice that he didn't point at them. He confessed all of their sins as a whole nation. Ezra 9 verse 7, since the days of our fathers to this day, we have been very guilty and for our iniquities, we Our kings and our priests have been delivered into the hand of the king, the kings of the lands, to the sword, to captivity, to plunder, and to humiliation as it is this day. What he's saying is all the trouble that we as a whole nation have come under fire for is because we messed up. You look at our nation today, why is our nation going down? Because we're messing up because we're not following the Word of God. How many people out there really care about the Word of God? Not many. Y'all are the few that actually care to come in on a Sunday. If the whole nation out there cared, I guarantee you they'd be filling this church, they'd be lined out in the parking lot trying to hear. But they're not. That's what's wrong with our nation. They don't care about the Word of God. We don't need it. It's just religious stuff. It's just something to do on Sunday. Who cares? God wants you to live life His way. Ezra gets it. So for centuries, we've seen the Israelites, they had been sending their tails off, and no one ever got it. No one ever finally got it until Ezra said what he said right here. We have been dragged off in captivity and been plundered, and we've been put under all this mess because we, Lord God, have sinned. Finally, somebody gets it. you for listening to set for life we hope you can join us next time unless jesus returns for us first 
Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.